see a lot of things They can promise to your face But when you need them, walk away Yeah, people are funny bunch Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now You Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today here in the studio, my guest is a singer-songwriter who lives in Nashville but is touring the world this year. His latest album, entitled Two, was released last year. He has opened for the likes of Joan Armitrading and American Idol Season 9 runner-up Crystal Bowersox. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Can I Rely on You? It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Matt Bednarski. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in here today to do this. Absolutely, my pleasure. Let's have you start off by telling the listeners about that song we were just playing, Can I Rely on You? Yeah, that was uh, what I would call the lead single from my second album, too. And uh, I had the idea for that song. You know, in the plight of an independent singer-songwriter, sometimes you come upon shows where you, you're you really trying to get people there, you know, um, it's it's a tough part of it, but you know you're reaching out to your friends, family, and those kind of people to to have them come to the show and make it something special. And I was playing in New York City and uh, was doing just that, trying to drum up support. And as it goes, you know, with any some sort of event, people uh, conflicts were coming up. You know, they maybe thought some it was a different day, and so that was happening a bit. And uh, a friend of mine messaged me saying, "Oh, she thought it was a different day." And the frustration just came out like, I need somebody to rely on, you know, and, and had that idea um, and tucked away in like a New York City corner and, and recorded something on my phone and then wrote the song in Newport, Rhode Island. And then mm. like to say, I put a bow on it in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> and so that's how that came to pass. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're talking about this uh, for a few reasons. I mean, number one, I just love it. You know, it's as the as the regular listeners of the show know, we always start off by having the guests talk about the song that was playing at the beginning and and. As someone that has clients that are singer-songwriters and has spent time at songwriters' festivals, I always love hearing the storytelling aspect. And when you see a song title like Can I Rely on You, you just probably think, oh, this must be a song about uh, a friend or a significant other, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a spouse or whatever. And the other reason is because I was talking over the song so much during the intro of the show, uh, people couldn't really fully concentrate on the lyrics of a really interesting concept. And and like I said, as an artist manager, I recognize that challenge yeah. of, of getting people to come to your shows and, and the people who do say, yeah, yeah, I think I think I'm available that night. I, I'll I'll try and get down there and check it out. And it's like I think I might, perhaps think you know which right. is it going to be? And and you know that 
song, it's a fun, upbeat song, I would say, in production and music-wise. But the lyrics are um, a little, not, I wasn't going to say acidic. I mean, uh, they're strong because they came from a place of frustration. But it also turns it on its head to say that we are all that person, too. As much as we're looking for a good, trustworthy friend, we're also the ones that sometimes let people down. And it's and it's really kind of reflecting on that and coming from a, that kind of place. But I, I've found that many people relate to that song and and uh, they hear it and they and they get it because we're both on both sides of the coin. But let's this is this is unique. This really does not happen very often, if at all, on the show. Despite the fact that, gosh, you know, two years later. That, that here I am sitting here today interviewing you, and, and we're up to episode uh, 108. Um, you, you just said, you know, oh, it's a, it's a fun-sounding song, but, you know, it is still somewhat of a, of a sensitive, almost, I don't want to say downer topic, but where I'm going with this is, you know, I'm not a songwriter at all. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm an I'm a artist manager, and twice... I wrote songs and I didn't do anything with them. I just was overwhelmed by the fact that I got the, these songs that just I had to write them and I did. And I was taught in that moment that, well, Bruce, these are these are sad, heavy, sorrowful subjects that you're writing about your lyrics, but you're using major chords, which, which are happy uh, chords. Yeah. Um, and so, you, you know, this probably needs to be rewritten a little bit. Um, and so that's interesting to me that you're saying that it sounds upbeat. And so can you just talk about that a little yeah. bit? Well, I mean, you know, that is, you know, that critique that that person gave you is, is I feel like that's a classic, almost Nashvillean thing to say. It's like, <laughs> this is the way a song should be. And at the end of the day, you know, um, there is a level of quality and craftsmanship that somebody can bring to the table, but I might like comedy and you might like drama. I think at the end of the day, it, it, it comes down to taste. And so for me, um, yeah, what I'm going with with that is there are rules to songwriting, but like who cares? You know, and for me, I if if you people that get to know me know I'm I'm a pretty positive, upbeat person, but a lot of the lyrics I write and I even made the conscious effort to sometimes steer away from it are a bit morose, are a bit um I guess cutting or what I would call real. Because that's the kind of stuff I chew on and think about. So even if I'm if I'm desirous to write a pop sounding song like "Can I Rely on You," the content I have a hard time holding back. I have a hard time. So for me, there there can very well be the conscious effort of writing something that is catchy, poppy, positive feeling sounding. But uh, the lyrics is something I don't really know how to um, turn the dial down on that. And you know, it it, it also comes with. There's so many factors I play. Let's say if, if this isn't always not often the case for me, but let's say you're writing for an album and you don't want to have every song minor, you know, and you don't want to have every song major. So there's those kind of things. But with that song, um, that's just how it felt to go. But generally my lyrics, I guess you can transition them into a minor sounding song. But I just try not to hold back. Uh, when it, as far as reality and, and realism with my lyrics. Yeah, and I like that you said that there will come a point where perhaps someone has to look at the project and say, well, wait a minute, we can't have every song. But at the same time, I like that you're saying, uh, you know, I'm, th- these are my songs. I wrote them. I got to be true to who I am and to, to what my message is or, or what I felt in the spirit of writing that song. I can't, you're, you're going to c- reach a compromise at some point where some producer will say, look, you know, we can't have every song. So, okay, maybe, 
but I like that you're saying I'm not going to surrender them completely just because that's what the rule book says right. I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and, 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 and along with that producer thing, I mean, today music being so accessible to an artist to do independently, you have the keys. Now, there's pros and cons to that because there are some people that are better drivers than you at some things. But, um, you know, I, I don't think it's 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 wrong to do an upbeat song that is maybe a, not a downer, but, you know, something that you wouldn't just sing Laffy Smiley about. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it all kind of finds Yeah, and let the record grow. show that uh, I have over the last few years learned to play guitar. And, and that's Very kind cool. of where a lot of this was born out of was uh, a real long story, real short. I was at a songwriters festival with one of my clients. They were raffling off a brand new guitar, you know, by... I think it was uh, you know five dollars for one chance or uh, twenty dollars for five chances, and I gave him twenty bucks, threw in my five bucks. This was up in Alabama. You got it. Left town and kind of forgot that I had even entered it because the festival was eleven days long, and we were there. For, I think she was playing during the first half of the festival, so we left for the second half after she'd played all her shows. Came back and got this phone call saying I'd won the guitar, and I thought, well, nice. it's not going to sit in the corner on display. It was, you know, the Lord put that guitar in my hand right, so right. that I can learn how to play it, and that's when I started learning things like, you know, major or happy chords, minor, yeah. you know, etc. Um, so the song that that uh, that guard got the whole ball rolling for us, "Can I Rely on You?" That that's uh, from the album of yours called Two T W O, like the number. Um, just talk about that that whole CD itself. A, a pretty hearty project, thirteen songs, right? Uh, and I'm very proud of it. It was a, it, to me, it was a difficult thing to make because, um, I, you know, I would say I struggle with perfectionism, uh, and getting better at getting out of that. But, uh, the making of that, you know, there was a intensity to it and it's, you know, people, when I play shows, you know, I have a couple of physical albums that I sell and they say, which one should I get? Ideally, I'd love for them to get both. But, um, the way I usually say is the first one is, is shinier and brighter, um, and the second one is a little more melancholy and reckless. And so the album, very, I'm very proud of. I co-produced it with a guy named Gus Berry, super talented dude who just moved actually to Portland, Oregon. He's going to do some work there. But um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's more live sounding. Um, and it, the songs range in spectrum. And I would say, you know, it, it, it deals with kind of how I've, as I've grown as a singer-songwriter, I see myself as, unearthing truths that people already know about themselves, but maybe just it's not on the radar at the moment. And so that album covers a spectrum of styles and a spectrum of emotions. Uh, but overall the feel is, is a bit melancholy and reckless. Um, and yeah, I mean, 13 songs and, uh, it worked really, really hard in it and I'm proud of it. Yeah. And obviously recorded the whole thing in Nashville. Yes. In Nashville. I'm, I'm curious, we're going to talk here in, in just a minute about, um, two releases of yours that uh, are actually available for free, but I'm looking at your website right now and I scroll down the the music page and it sure. shows six Matt Bednarski releases. I, I think what you're doing is you're saying I've released two albums, meaning full length albums, because yes. the two that I wasn't planning on asking you about uh, have one has five songs, one has four songs. Yeah, so EPs. I, okay. Right. And those are, those are cool little, I mean, those are cool chapters in my artistry and, and career. You know, I kind of, um, the ones that I have physical copies of and the ones that are full-length studio albums are kind of like uh, the definitive marks as far as, and like my sights are on, you know, the next album and those kind of things. And, and those EPs are great products and were crucial in my development. Um, 
But, you know, right now they're not uh, at the forefront of what I talk and what I play. Gotcha. But they exist and they're there. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. I, I kind of went, oh, no. When you started talking and said uh, it's from my, my album called Two, because it was my second album, I thought, wait a minute. I pride myself on the amount of research I do for oh, these no, shows. No. And I know when I was on this guy's website, he had a yeah. whole, lot, of, whole right. lot listed on there. Uh, well, so interestingly enough, um, listeners, you'll you'll certainly want to... Uh, Peek up your perk up your ears. Uh, listen closely <laughs> for, for this. Um, so Matt, you you did a couple projects that you gave away for free: an, yeah. an acoustic demo album called Fragments and Glimpses, and a Christmas EP entitled Acoustic Tidings. And I remember way back on episode thirty eight of this show, uh, J.R. Bird. He's a, a singer songwriter from Texas, and he talked on that episode all about how he was giving songs away for free through yeah. Twitter. And uh, for the benefit of, of the listeners who are up-and-coming artists, um, take us through your thought process as it relates to deciding to let fans or, or listeners download those two projects for free, yeah. especially because you know most people would think he's taking a loss there, He considering you know he, he has to pay for a recording, if nothing else. So just kind of take us through what led you to go down that road. I'm going to do these two projects, and they're both just yeah. going to be for free download. Those two, uh, those two products I did by myself. Didn't pay for anybody to produce it. I produced them myself, and they're pretty bare bones. They're just acoustic. I'm proud of them, and the, the Christmas one especially, because it's, it's pretty cool what you can do with just a guitar and... Uh, simple program and vocals. So there's a lot that I did, but a couple things. One, um, fragments and glimpses. That the initial impetus for that product was to pretty much distribute that freely. Was at that point I hadn't ma- hadn't made that first full length studio mm. album yet. Mm-hmm. I was pushing that demo album to producers oh, and okay. giving that out to people. And, and essentially, I was playing out Nashville a lot and didn't have anything to. So give. you so you did have hard copies of it. Hard copies in the sense that I burned it to yeah, my computer, yeah. <laughs> but no, no, like you know, didn't didn't make it. Uh, you know, the album art's very simple, and so so I didn't I didn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. But I had something. I was playing out Nashville a lot. I want to have something. People were asking me, "Oh, where can I hear the song?" Blah blah blah. And the YouTube and stuff's there, but I wanted to have something tangible to give, mm-hmm. uh, and and extended that to online. You know, uh, and the Christmas thing. Um, you know, it, it's just something I wanted to give away. Um, and it's a different way of engaging with the fans. But on top of that, um, you are when you give that stuff away, you're creating good rapport. I'm also uh, generally capturing their contact information. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. not a conniving thing, but it's 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 sure. essentially to the hope is through YouTube through Noise Trade that people are like, oh, I like this. Let me go down the rabbit hole further and support this person. Yeah, so like I'm it. reaching my hand out like first, it. and then. Uh, hopefully they're grasping it and then we're going for a walk. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, a lot of the professional groups that I belong to, a lot of the networking groups, I mean, everyone's talking about building their list and people have different ways of getting people onto their mail list. They they talk about getting them into the sales funnel, that whole type of thing. And uh, But, you know, it's it's still admirable, though, that that wasn't your first priority. That wasn't what triggered the whole thing. It wasn't, I need to build my list. So hmm, I think I'll give music away for free. It's look, I'm playing in Nashville. People are asking me, I got to have something to give right. out. If I want to start going to publishers or whoever, I got to have something to Absolutely. hand over. And so I don't want to say it was an afterthought, but your very first thought wasn't, I need to get people no. on my list. And that's and that's great because you know some people are so much about, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm talking about people who 
uh, will do will at all costs build up their Twitter sure. following, whether it's purchasing Twitter followers or you know all that right. kind of thing, and so building up their list. Um, I, I do want to point out something neat that you did, and, and have you talk about this? The the Christmas EP, Acoustic Tidings. You had a contest for the cover of the EP. Tell us how you conducted that, how you found yeah. the experience to be. What what was your motivation behind doing that? Well, that was a blast. I mean, it's been some time, so I'm going to be a bit foggy on some of the details. But yeah, I mean, I had the idea and posted about it on social media, and I, I might have yeah, and, and the response was great. I mean, I probably had. I mean, maybe eight-ish entries, and some of them were, were really strong and ended up going with uh, this girl, Bethany, who uh, is out of South Dakota, who's actually an exceptional photographer. And she was kind enough, and, and is a fan of mine, has been following me via YouTube and those kind of things, mm. kind enough to uh, make something and it was really cool. And so, yeah, and, and what's fun is it's, mutual promotion at that part because as she grows in her craft and career um every year i give a little plug of that you know because for those that never hear something something's new you know even though that that product is two or three years old at this point um those songs in a way never get old we always hear them day after thanksgiving to december whatever (laughs) and uh so every time you know i i plug that she's associated with it so it was a really cool way of engaging with the fans frankly i'm not great at graphic design stuff. I mm-hmm, consider myself mm-hmm. a visual appreciator, um, not, a, not a visual <laughs> talent at all. And so it was a cool way of, of, of having somebody else involved. And frankly, it was, it was a great piece of art. She did a great job. I like that. And I also like, you know, that, that was brave of you to step out and say, I'm going to put this out there. And quite frankly, I don't know if anyone will respond because that's mm. a leap of faith because right. You know, people that are in positions like like you as a musician, myself hosting this show, you don't know if I put something out there and I'm looking for a response. What if nobody responds to it? Right. But in in your case, whether you got eight or 80 or 800, it's okay. I know that people saw it. Eight people chose to respond. There were probably others that did that said, well, I'm the same way. I'm a visual appreciator. I'm not a visual creator. So I take my hat off to you because I think a lot of us kind of get up into a point and then we say, well, I don't want to take that next step because it might be embarrassing if I find out that nobody cares. And lo and behold, here's this girl that, and that's, you know, that's, that's tremendous. The the idea that, well, she's going to promote it. And the more popular that she gets, the more successful that she gets. Sure. She's bound to have this, you know, in her portfolio and for people to look at it right. further. So yeah. And, and bouncing off what you said about numbers, I mean, um, I used to be pretty focused on numbers as well, you know, as far as follower count or subscriber count and those kind of things that we were, especially at, as I was first kind of taking my career seriously, we were cultivated in that because social media drives that, like how many, how many Instagram followers do you have and that kind of thing. And that's a metric that can be considered important, but at the end of the day, I mean, especially coming from my perspective, it is quality over quantity. It is, if I have a hundred really strong fans that care about my music, that's better than 10,000 people that maybe have heard 30 seconds of one of my songs. So, you know, with that, putting that out there, yeah, I didn't know what kind of response I was going to get for, for sure. Um, but I was fortunate, you know, that I have, there are, there are, members of my fan base that just stick with me. And so, um, I would just say that, yeah, I mean, if anyone out there listening, don't get focused on the numbers, don't get, you know, your YouTube view counts and things like that, because those tell a very small portion of the story. Yeah. And it's not unlike, I'm, I'm glad you said all that. There's someone that I've started working with recently and 
as we were starting the relationship and we were talking about booking, she was pretty clear to me that when it comes to booking me, you know, I'd much rather play someplace where the pay is not going to be exactly what I'd want it to be. But if that amount that I sacrifice means that I had a great experience and they treated me nice yeah. and it was a great place and the facility was good, as opposed to someplace where I got what I wanted financially, but it was just a horrible experience. Yeah. She said, "There, that's a big difference maker to me. And so you know, I think that the up and comers do get hung up on numbers yeah. or on I got to make as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And you might get that good payday, but you might say, wow, that's a, a show that I played that I, I will not soon forget for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. Right. right. And uh, I definitely have my fair share of those. And there's all different, <laughs> all different sorts of currency, you know, and, and the reality is, is, you know, sometimes you do have to in, to make a tour work. Sometimes you got to take those gigs that experientially aren't off the charts but you know you get paid and you hopefully impact a few hearts while you're there and you eat well you have a drink or two and you move on but at the end of the day i mean if my currency of if my prime currency was money i would not be in this career you know um and so uh, i was uh talking with email uh, with a house concert host recently and i said something like uh, i treasure and value or I never consider house concerts a filler gig. I treasure and value um, every opportunity to be heard in that kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. And so I know we, yeah. So, I mean, essentially, um, in music, at the end of the day, you know, one amazing song is better than 20 okay songs, and one amazing concert experience and one real fan is better than troves of sordas. Yeah, nicely said. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today here in the studio is singer, songwriter, guitar player Matt Bednarski. Visit his official website at www.mattbednarski.com. As I've said on other episodes of this show, if you need the proper spelling of the guest's last name but are listening right now while out for a run or driving in your car or in some activity where you can't write it down, simply look at the title of this episode on your listening device and then go to mattbednarski.com. On his website, you'll find links to his social media. He's on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, plus he's on Instagram too. And of course, do purchase his music, which is available on iTunes. And if you go to the music page of his website, there are links to noisetrade.com, where you can get the free downloads that he talked about. Of course, keep up with Matt online to find out where and when you can see him perform live. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net, as in now hear this entertainment, nhte.net. For every episode of this show, we've got on nhte.net the full audio plus the guest's photo, a link to their website, and quotes from the guest on each show. Sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free and it makes it so easy to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by following on SoundCloud. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on nhte.net to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you, and please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. I've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. I mentioned just one of them already, J.R. Bird. As always, many thanks, of course, to those who are not first-time listeners. I very much appreciate your time and your interest and support. Matt, uh, let's talk about this wild and crazy 2016 that you're undertaking 
tonight, tomorrow, and the next day, playing in and around the greater Tampa Bay area. Then you head out to California for 11 shows in 17 days. Then you'll do three shows in Kentucky, two in Illinois, one in Tennessee, two in North Carolina. And then you've got 18 shows in 30 days in the UK, Belgium, Germany, and Denmark. I'm not going to read your entire schedule, but you come back to the States and already have bookings as late as December, and you're going to hit more of the U.S., you're going to do some shows in Canada, and then even play a bunch in Australia. I'm exhausted. Just, (laughs) wow. How in the world are, are you doing this? Getting all these bookings, getting yourself around to all these shows and, and dare I say maintaining your sanity? <laughs> well, the last component is up for question. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a method to the madness. And uh, yeah, I mean, each individual tour kind of has its own eccentricities. From Nashville, uh, I can go north, south, uh, east as far as D.C. in my own car. And that's great. And um, then for California, if I do the Pacific Northwest, or I go, if I go to the northeast because I'm originally from there... I'll fly and, you know, rent a car or use my parents, something like that. And then obviously with uh, international stuff, fly over there. Um, As far as booking goes, I mean, I do 99% of my own booking right now at least. Uh, I honestly don't want that to be that way forever because, um, you know, when somebody sees me at a show, they're seeing the very last step in what I've done. Mm. You know, the, the, the first step is... You know, in, in infancy, you know, you're growing up, you're learning instruments, you're learning, you're taking information, you're growing, you're, you're honing your, your very beginning parts of the craft. And then, so all the artistic stuff people get, but what they don't see is the hours and hours and hours spent sending emails online, researching places. Um, and there's all sorts of ways that I have, you know, kind of first I go, I book house concerts far in advance because they typically book at least six months in advance. I look for opening opportunities, reach out sometimes to those artists directly, um, and uh, and then from there, I'll look and see what, what, what are good venues in the area. Maybe I've seen what other artists have played. And then from there, I even just look into restaurants and bars and things like that um, and, and fill out a tour. So it is it is nonstop. And even those dates you read there, I mean, I think I literally an hour ago just booked another one in California uh-huh. and, and filling all these spots and have kind of the way I see it is um, – yeah, I have the the vision for, you know, usually you land one dart on the dartboard. And then from there, you splatter as much paint around it and you see what sticks. That was mixing metaphors, but the point being <laughs> is, you know, you lock in a great solid show and you build around it. And now I've gotten to the point where I have certain areas that are anchors for me, that are great regions to come to and play, Florida being one of them. Mm-hmm. And then you also start to learn where really exciting markets are. Germany loves independent singer-songwriters. They love house concerts. I booked Mm. in Germany six shows last June for this May like that. Mm. And if I had known, I would have stayed there twice as long. Australia loves what I do. I mean, I'm going there in December and have already seven shows booked and like four sort of booked. So, I mean, it really is, the longer I've been doing this, you really start to get a groove and figure out how things pop into place easily. It's still many, many, many hours of work, and it's very gratifying to step back and look at a map or look at a schedule and be like, wow, I really I have a, a self-sufficient and self-sustaining awesome tour to look forward to. But, you know, right now I would say I have like five jobs, you know, manage, booking, all that stuff. Mm-hmm, and aside mm-hmm. from just playing Being and creating. Yeah, because yeah, really I, I guess I would prefer my job to just be 
two biceps, one performing, two creating, or, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. chicken comes before the egg or, you know, that sure. you do both of them. But, you know, I think that ultimately doing the business aspects is healthy for my temperament. It kind of lets the creative side exhale. And then if I'm, you know, creating a lot, you know, the business will, I'll need to, I'll, I'll feel the urge to do the business. So it kind of mm -hmm, feeds mm -hmm. each other. But, um, I'm putting all this work in a, because I love it, but B I'm, I I've watched it get built from a little snowflake into, you know, a, a good sized thing now. And I want to continue to build it. And as you do that, other people get excited and want to hop on that train. And so right now the train's running at full speed with just me conducting it. And, and, uh, I'd like to see where that goes and potentially have other people involved. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is have a backup plan. If you arrive at a gig or realize the day of that something is missing, know exactly how you're going to react. Can you do without it? Is there somewhere nearby where you can go make a purchase? Is there a fellow musician nearby that you can borrow from? Remember, the show must go on, so don't let your teaching moment be when you're on the spot and have to figure out a solution while the clock is ticking. Plan ahead now. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show to make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format. There is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1 and a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 2 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40 and 41 to 80, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. I, uh, I, I really spend a lot of time with this show really trying to cater to the up-and-comers because I work with a lot of those types of people and I know what their concerns are or what their questions are. It's a large part of the reason why I launched this show. Where I'm going with this is uh, you said they love what I'm doing in Australia. So speak to those listeners who want to be where you are. How do they know that they are loved? In, how do they know that Australia loves yeah. what they're doing? How does someone who has never lived in Florida find that I, I've got a pretty good, I forget what you called it, but you, you said that you... Yeah, yeah, I've got a pretty good anchor in Florida. Uh, though, just if you do, would, those two examples. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Australia, I've never been there. Um, and I'm making that. Let me. I'm sorry. I want to jump in because I'm thinking of. Can I rely on you? Now I'm thinking of right. that song. And go. so you're saying, uh, you know, are you defining they love what I do in Australia just because you got bookings? Because then I would say, well, aren't you concerned that you're going to go there? Is there going to be anyone waiting for you to play, or is it? Well, so hold on, Bruce. I'm going to tell you. Yeah. yeah. Well, well. Well. So I mean, a there's an enthusiasm around the the point of contact. B, there's just a sentiment of the Australian music scene that I've observed and seen through the internet. There's different networks of a lot of people, you know, have house concerts and things like that. So that, first of all, what I've observed is there, I've talked with, um, you know, I've gotten reaction from other artists. Uh, and at the same time, I've gotten a lot of bookings, but they're not just like, oh, here's a club, I hope people show up. These are people, 
that um, they are they are they're excited so, to have they're you. excited to have me and so passionate to have me that they are making sure that the people are going to be there. They're able to have awesome. that level of commitment. I mean, when if you say to me, you know, I, I booked a show for December, and, and a gentleman says, "Oh, you can count on 120 people being there." Mm. You know, if if somebody said that to me in the states, I'd be like, "I'm all for that." And you know, I've I've played to some great big crowds, but you know, it's very rare for somebody to guarantee that kind of figure to me for somebody that's virtually unknown and to and to do it, you know, 10 or more months in advance. Right. Right. You and can already tell me today there's going to be 120 people there in December. Right. Yes. As great. A, I can't as wait. a minimum. <laughs> and he said like exactly. And that's and it's very, you know, it's an expensive trip. I mean, sure, upfront sure. costs. I mean, you have to get a visa, those kind of things, yeah. but that one show covers all it. Yeah. And so because I have to think business-wise as well. And Absolutely. so just the sheer enthusiasm uh, amongst the networks that I've observed and become a part of and the people that want to book me and want to work with me to get me there, they're just very excited. Uh, a place like Florida, um, as you know, is is become a haven for house concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, the founder, Fran Snyder, lives here. And so I got plugged into that network a couple years ago or so, and it's worked out great for me. I, I mean, it's a wonderful network, but it is like anything what you make of it. You mm-hmm, really have mm-hmm. to harness it, and you have to understand how it works. And for me, I, I, I clicked with it pretty quick, and that was great. So um, there's a lot of house concert opportunities by virtue of Fran and the work that Concert in Your Home has done, and I jumped into that. And then from there, that rolled into uh, being part of the Listening Room Festival last year. And then that rolled into me coming back because I was able to quickly book. And then again, so it, the, Florida, fortunately... It's it's a really receptive place, and people enjoy listening to music and enjoy actually digesting the music. And uh, they've been around the concept long enough to uh, appreciate it. So that it's funny you mentioned those two examples because they're polar opposites. One yeah. I've never been to, yeah. but I've already feel the love and already feel the electricity. One I've been to many times and have taken the time to sow, you know, to plant the seeds and till mm-hmm, the ground. Mm-hmm. And I'm now, you know, I'm able to come here and. And really enjoy uh, the people that have seen me consistently and want to support me. Yeah, and great answers to both. And, and you know, I don't pretend to know everything. I've been at this for a while, and I do know a thing or two about a thing or two. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, you know, even even with something like this show, you know, the the the, the number one country that listens to the show the most is the United States. Number two is Canada, and number three is the Netherlands. Oh yeah. And someone would say, well, "Where does that come from?" Yeah. Uh, but you know, you, you need you need look no further than some of the guests that have been on this show yeah. that have said, "I'll go to Germany, or I'll go to Denmark, or I'll go, you know, to insert European city here," and they all tell me to a person how well received they are yeah. and, and how much people love the music over there and really embrace it. So it it's no it's no surprise, but it's it's great to hear you uh, give that explanation. I I wonder this whole crazy 2016 that we've been talking about. So was this the plan when you were recording to the the the, the album two would that you know that you would tour for the entire 2016 calendar year to presumably to promote it and and I know the album came out last summer but so I guess how soon did you start working on filling up your live dates for 2016 Yeah it, it kind of never stops I mean that that is one of the very tough things about what I do is so I'm booking I'm filling up little holes in 2016 now and some artists would maybe be booking 2017 already. I, I I want to have some sort of distance from that. I want to, 
you know, stand back and just enjoy what's going on now a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was actively booking, not maybe it's hard. It's hard to remember the details, but I was booking during that whole time. And yeah, the plan was to release it and, uh, tour and okay. not put out a new album this year. Okay. Though the plan is to go back in the studio this fall to make another album to release wow. it next year. Wow. And I'm very excited about that album. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, because, because I'm, you know, wearing five hats, I, if I, if I'm going to put food on the table and pay rent, you know, I can make a CD, but if nobody buys it, you know, if nobody hears me live, yep. if yep. nobody connects with me, well, then I can't make another one. Yeah. So, and, and the listeners, uh, if, if those of you who are listening to this episode are regular listeners to the show, uh, again, I'll, I'll thank you. Uh, once more, but uh, you need no look further than two weeks ago when Danny Brooks uh, was the guest on the show, and you know he he was more or less saying the same thing that that you're saying here that you know well where you're going to sell them his point was where you're going to sell them is out on the road and he was saying yeah. you know iTunes and all that stuff and eh, whatever it's great to be on there but he was saying on that interview you got to be out at the live shows performing because that's where you're going to sell them. So you're right. You can spend all this time writing and recording. And if they're just sitting there and you're not getting any right. money back and paying your rent and that type of thing. So as a result, it's, it's, you know, it's a necessity. It's part of the equation. You don't finish the album and then sit back and put your feet up and go, okay, the checks should start coming in any day now. It's, no. no, I got to go out and make right. the checks happen right. by virtue of my live shows and getting paid to perform. But then the people that are buying them while I'm there, uh, and, and so speaking of all this travel, here's here's an interesting fact about Matt, listeners. Um, you are no stranger, Matt, to to not being stationary. Oh, you, you grew up in Connecticut, attended NYU, studied abroad in Italy, even lived in an orphanage in Peru for eight months, came back to New York City, and three years ago moved to Nashville. So do you consider Music City to be home now or is or is that subject to change at some point too? Well, you know, it's what I it's definitely home, but I I always almost always qualify that in saying it's home base. Mm. I'm there about thirty percent of the time, you mm-hmm. know, give or take. Um and I love it there and it's great. Um and it's a great crossroads for business, it's a great crossroads geographically, it's a great crossroads for inspiration and community. Uh truth be told, if I'm gone so much, I can kind of live anywhere. But, you know, it's it's important, I think, to have some semblance of this is a place that I can have that's familiar, that I can lay my head down, that I could rest, that I can keep my stuff, and I can have something to come back to. Um, and I desire more of that, you know, as I, as I grow older and, and I think as I, um, yeah, and just priorities shift and, and clarify. And I, I want more of that in my life. But um, Music City makes sense for this kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I'm not the only one that lives there that has it, you know. Yeah, uh episode 14 of the show Shame on Me. I really don't reference that episode very much at all. Liz Longley oh, okay. was the guest and uh listeners if you don't know who she is by this time, she's she's kind of a big deal to use a, a Ron Burgundy uh expression and and Liz Longley and I talked about the fact that you know, Nashville for her is kind of where she goes to do laundry and to unpack and then repack and check the mail yeah. and then boom, right back out. Right. So you're saying kind of the same thing. Uh, I, I want to back up and mention that 
you are playing a lot of house concerts. Yeah. Can you talk about why you obviously enjoy playing in that environment so much? Yeah. Um, so if you're playing at a restaurant or a bar, oftentimes you're playing maybe predominantly covers. You know, Maybe you're there to contribute to the environment. You're there so the clients have an upgraded experience. But you're not the focus, and that's okay. That's okay. And, and house concerts, I would say, you're not the focus, but the music's the focus. So it, it's an opportunity for people to experience the lyrics, melody, and dynamics on the level that they were meant to be experienced. The way music was originally experienced when you had no, no record players or CD players, and, and it was an active engagement. So for me, experientially, it's off the charts. You know, these songs that I'm writing wherever that I'm pouring a part of my soul into, I want to share with people and have them be impacted, you know, either connecting with something or positively impacted or or nodding, aha, uh-huh, I get it. And I want them to take something with them that I can share. Um, and it's not about me. It's not even about them. It's what's happening in between. And so house concert is a ripe environment for that to happen. And it's intimate. It's, um, yeah, it's experientially off the charts. From a business perspective, it's, it's a bedrock for me. It really is because, um, yeah, it, it's allowing for people to be patrons of the art, oh, pardon me, of the arts. So, um, I really much like the intimacy and I love that I can take something that matters to me and share it. And it's not a tree falling in a forest that nobody hears mm. and it's not, um, noise in the background. Uh, so yeah. Good, good. I like that. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today here in the studio is singer, songwriter, guitar player Matt Bednarski. Visit his official website at www.mattbednarski.com. As I've said uh, earlier and on other episodes of the show, if you need the proper spelling of his last name, the guest's last name, if you're listening right now at a time when you're really not in the position to write it down, maybe you are here in Florida and sitting on the beach and just trying to relax. Uh, just look at the title of your listening device, the title of this episode, and then go to mattbednarski.com. On his link, on excuse me, on his website, you'll find links to his social media. There are icons there for Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Plus, he is also on Instagram, and of course, do purchase his music, which is available on iTunes. And if you go to the music page of his website, there are links to noisetrade.com where you can get the free downloads that we talked about earlier. Of course, keep up with Matt online to find out where and when you can see him perform live. As you heard, a very, very hectic and full (laughs) schedule for 2016. Be sure that you're also checking out www.nhte.net, as in now hear this entertainment, nhte.net. For every episode of this show, We have on NHTE.net the full audio, plus the guest's photo, a link to their website, and quotes from the guest on each show. Sign up for the e-newsletter at NHTE.net and subscribe to this podcast and tell others about it too. Subscribing is free, and it makes it very easy, very convenient to get the show every week on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or by, they call it, following on SoundCloud. Go ahead and use the social media buttons on NHTE.net to like to now hear this page on Facebook and to follow on Twitter and or Instagram. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you. Please do check out some of the prior episodes of Now Hear This Entertainment. I mentioned uh, J.R. Bird and Danny Brooks uh, and Liz Longley. We've had a lot of great guests along the way so far. As always, 
Many thanks always to those who are not first-time listeners. I'm very grateful for your time and your interest and your support of the show. Matt, I had mentioned that you grew up in Connecticut. Uh, in fact, your mother had a classical pedigree. Your father was a professional jazz guitarist. Just talk about those younger years because you actually started playing violin at age four, then guitar at age eight, songwriting at age 12. So obviously those were some very influential young oh, yeah. years that you had. Yeah, and no longer play violin. But uh, yeah, my grandmother started teaching me age four. And I wow. think, you know, just for brain development, those things were great. I mean, I was very fortunate in that that was our second language growing up amongst my brothers and me and uh, was music. We, you know, my my dad uh, still teaches private lessons and is a music teacher at a middle school. And from my mother's side, grandmother, uncles, uh, grandfather on that side, very heavily in the classic mm-hmm. um classic uh, music. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was just so ripe for my brain, uh, or pardon me, I'll rephrase that. It was, it was crucial in developing my brain. And I think, um, yeah. And so good for age four, the violin that dissipated age eight, the guitar, I will say when your father's your teacher and you're not paying for lessons, practice kind of ebbs and flows and you go through periods of, where you want to do it. And then you arrive at a point where, well, you want to practice, you Mm. want to play, you want to get better. And, uh, as far as songwriting, kind of some of the the first ways I engaged with songwriting was through school where like different projects, I would write songs. And for me that came easier and it was great because everybody was impressed. And Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a pompous way, but it was just like, you know, that came on the easier side for me. And it was a way to, get a good grade and do something that I cared about and, you know, wrote a song for physics, wrote a song about Hamlet, wrote, you know, that, those kind of things. So that was kind of uh, some of my first engagements with songwriting. Um, and yeah, that was, that has been my way to creatively engage and, uh, and interact with the world. Uh, we're about out of time, but, um, just for fun, I I haven't done this in in a little while. There have been some episodes of this show where I've asked the guest to put in order what they consider themselves to be first, second, and third, uh, with the choices being singer, songwriter, and guitar player. So mm-hmm. what order would those go in for Matt Bednarski? Would you consider yourself what first, uh, what second, and one thir- what third? Man. Uh, today, I would say songwriter first, singer second, and guitarist third. Um, because songwriter is very much a way you interact with the world. You know, I'm always a songwriter. If I'm driving, if I'm walking, it's just the way I process things. Um, if you're not singing, you're not playing guitar at that moment, you're not engaged in it. But mm, kind okay. of like a computer okay. that's like always that. on, the songwriting aspect is, wow. is, is always there. So, yeah. I like your analogies. <laughs> they're, they're very <laughs> clever. Uh, real quickly, I, I do want to just give you a, a just a short opportunity to talk about, even though you mentioned earlier, we, we were clear about, you know, the numbers don't get so hung up on those. But uh, from what I saw in preparing for today's show, you do seem to be pretty proud of the fact that, that you have 2.5 million cumulative views on your YouTube channel. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, you know, and, and it is, it's an accolade and, and it's it's something that, I do like to put out there and I mean, between me and you and because everybody listens between me and all of you, um, I want to be like Howard Stern and say, that's okay. Nobody's listening. Right oh, now. right. Right. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I, I put that in the bio and on my website to garner attention where people see, see a number like that. 
and you know because it's catch it, it's flashy but you know it, it does it's kind of like if somebody's monetarily successful that's a measurement it's a metric so for me i'm definitely proud of that it means that a lot of people have seen my videos and it means that uh, they want to see them because you can't unless you have a viral video you can't just stumble upon millions right, of hits right so for me it, it's it, what i guess the way i love it the most is that it's enabled me to connect with real people. I'm very interactive on social media. And those that have seen those videos and if they comment, I generally respond back. So the more views, the more people, the more chances I have. Yeah, with it's, a, it's a clever marketing strategy, putting it in the things that you're sending out about yourself. But it means that 2.5 million cumulative views have. A, and you don't get 2.5 million cumulative views by sticking it you know, in your electronic signature of your email or by mentioning, I mean, those are people that have come looking for you. And I realize that, that it's, it's taken well, they're, they're a lot of work. Cat videos. It's taken a lot of work. There you go. No, cats and babies. All, there you go, cats. No, it's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of time. Uh, babies take, riding dogs, exactly. I think is the... <laughs> That's the name of the song, actually. Um, but it's taken a lot of persistence. And, 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 and it's part of my roots. YouTube and house concerts have been two bedrocks for me uh, as far as form my career. And I'm thankful for both. Nice. Uh, we're going to close today with a song of yours entitled Life Goes On. Hmm. So before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, if you would, please. How much time do I have? (laughs) Um, Well, hmm. okay, so there's... I'll give a slightly abbreviated version. So um, one of the inspiring anecdotes of this song was uh, about three and a half years ago, a great uncle of mine passed away at the age of 93. So Mm. a very long life and a good Mm -hmm. life. And at the reception was a big screen TV showing Sports Center, showing the top 10 plays of the week. And so I turned to my younger brother and started talking about baseball, started talking about basketball. And, you know, 93 years of jobs, stories, relationships, an entire life. And just like that, I was talking about the mundane. And that happens to all of us. And I don't mean that in a negative light. Uh, a lot of my, some of my writing is, is, uh, is quite existential. And um, I think a lot of life's problems can be solved if you get lost in a sunset or get lost in the stars or at the coast because uh, you realize your life's not life's very important, but it's important contextualized. It's important in a much bigger universe and a much bigger story than each of us individually. Great stuff. Great stuff. This has been great. I, I, I wish we could keep going. I'm keeping my eye on the timer and, and we are at a time, but thanks so much. I really enjoyed this today. Thank you. What Thank a you pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. My yeah, pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, that will do it, listeners, for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Matt Bednarski. Do check out his website at www.mattbednarski.com and do engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. Follow him on both Twitter and Instagram, and of course, purchase his music from iTunes. Plus, remember that on the music page of mattbednarski.com, there are links to free downloads on noisetrade.com. Keep up with Matt online so you can see where and when you can see him perform live, and tell him that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share, they call it repost episodes on there, and you can also follow on SoundCloud. Let's get your feedback on the show, too. Post your comments or questions on the Now Hear This Facebook page. There are links to it and Twitter 
and even the Now Hear This official YouTube channel, all on nhte.net. Plus, there's a link there to this show on Instagram, or send us an email. The email address is on the contact page of nhte.net. We have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online on their website at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song by Matt Bednarski. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Life Goes On. Finally set Fear and regret Descend upon your brow But all of your failures Will fail to remember One hundred years from now Life goes on As the plates disappear, the conversation turned to the ball game. From the crib to the finish line They'll crawl then they'll walk To the edge of the clock With the next ones not far behind Life
the dark will give way to the dark.